Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. I thought I would begin this morning, if I could, by sharing with you something that is very special and very meaningful to me. It's this. This is what it looks like. Um, Let me tell you what it says. It says, In nomine Jesu, in Jesus' name, reposing full confidence in your faithfulness to our Lord, Jesus Christ, and in your desire to feed his sheep and lambs, Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church of Woodbridge, Virginia, and the North Atlantic District Mission Board, herewith, in the name of the uh, triune God, calls you, Matthew Rothy, to be our pastor of a new mission in Fredericksburg, Virginia. We trust that you will recognize in this call the voice of your Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray that he, the head of the church, may give you willingness and strength joyfully to follow it and faithfully to labor among us to the glory of his most holy name and the salvation of immortal souls. That is something that I received on May 19th, 2016. I received a call from God's people through his church to be your pastor, to be the pastor of this church. To have a call, that call from God in my life to be your pastor, outside of the call to be a husband, a father, a brother, and a son, it is one of the highest privileges and highest honors that I have in my life. The call that I have from God to be your pastor is is something that is absolutely humbling to me, but at the very same time encourages me, inspires me, and motivates me every single day. I do not know if there are words to describe just how meaningful it is to me that I have a call from God to be your pastor. Don't Don't you wish that you had a call from God in your life? Well, what if I told you that you did? What if I told you that you do? What if I told you that you have a call from God in your life that is as high, as great an honor, as a privilege as the call that I have from God in my life? What if I told you that the call that you have from God in your life ought to inspire you, motivate you, and encourage you every day as you step out of bed? What if I told you the only thing missing from your call is that the powerful words of your call just happen to not be printed on fancy cardstock. What if I told you that? Would you, would you believe me? Well, some of you might not believe me, and so I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to say that to you. Instead, I'm simply going to let God speak for himself. I am simply and beautifully going to let God speak for himself and remind you about the calling that he has given you, the calling that your God, from his very words, has put in your life and put on your hearts. 
I read it just a moment ago. Can we read it again? The Apostle Paul, he's, he's talking not to pastors. He, he's, he's talking to people like you and me, people in a church, and this is what he says. He says this, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Say, what calling is that exactly? Well, I'm glad you asked. He says it in the very next verse. He says, be completely humble and gentle and patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is your call, he says. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, be loving. And through those things, through every effort, here's your call. Keep the bond of peace. Keep the bond of peace, keep the bond of the spirit through the bond of of peace. That is your call. And we're going to read the rest of Ephesians chapter four. Don't worry. And what you're going to find is that keeping the unity of the spirit, keeping that bond of peace, that's not something that we just do status quo, but no, he says, go grow in that, grow in that with other people, grow in that with yourself. You think to yourself, great, that's my call. How in the world am I supposed to do that? Well, again, I'm glad you asked because in the very next verse, he tells us, God in his word says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Your call is to keep the bond of the spirit, the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And how in the world are you and I to do that. Well, he tells us, he says, use the tools that I've given you. One faith. And this is what we talked about all last week. And so if you want to go listen to the sermon podcast, do that. But how is faith created? Well, we just sang about it. It's it's created through the word. Romans 10 says, faith comes from hearing the message. So tell people, tell people the good news that their names are written in heaven. Tell people that the hands of their savior that were outstretched on the arm that shed blood for them, now your name is written by those hand in permanent ink in heaven. Share that good news and from that faith will happen. And oh, by the way, God has given you another tool. It's called baptism. So take those things, those tools and the one God, the one Lord who is over all, in all and through all. Well, that God, is going to do the same thing that he did to you when you heard those things. He's going to send his spirit. He's going to send his one spirit to you to call others to faith, to grow in the love of Jesus and know the love of Jesus just like he did for you. That's your call. That is the call that God has put in your life. From the very lips of God, he has given each and every one of you. How cool is that? Now I know what some of you are saying. You're saying, ha, nice try, Pastor Matt. I am not called to ministry. Thank you very much. But think again. Think again. That, that's what God's word is going to challenge us to do this morning. It's to really think again about how God grows his church together and who God uses to grow his church his body together. We're in this sermon series talking about our church. And I mentioned it 
in our introduction this morning, but last week we talked about how this is who we are, our values. This is, this is what we do. We share the good news that, that Christ Jesus has lived for you. He has died for you. He has ascended on high for you, and he is working all things out for you and your good so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. That's good news. And that's just what we do. We, we share good news because we love to hear that good news and we know how good that, that news is for us. That's what we talked about last week. This week, we're talking about growing together. It follows naturally from the idea that, that Christ Jesus has given some good news. We read it in our earlier lesson this morning from 1 Peter that your sins are forgiven and now grow in that. Grow in your knowledge about all the implications that good news has on your life. So that's also what we value, growing together. That sounds really nice, doesn't it? Grow together. I'm not sure there's a Christian church on earth that doesn't really value growing together, right? It sounds cute, but what does it actually mean? What does it actually look like to grow together? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. That's what God's word talks about this morning. And I got to warn you, it challenges us to really think, to think about how God grows us together, and who he uses to grow us together. Because he's called me and he's called you to grow together. Here's what he says. Let's pick it up at verse 11 of Ephesians 4. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers— Think about that for a moment. Christ gave himself gifts. He can do that because he's God. And one of the gifts that he's given to himself, for himself, for his church is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now we could talk in a sermon sometime about what each one of those offices mean. And I don't mean to diminish them, but I'm gonna summarize it this way. This passage says Christ gave himself spiritual leaders. He gave himself people like pastors, people like me, but why? Why did he do that? Well, follow along in Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, because there's a couple clauses here, and each one stacks on the one that precedes. He says, Christ gave himself spiritual leaders. Why? Why did he do that? He did it to equip his people, to equip God's people for the work of ministry. That's why he gave pastors to the church, teachers to his church, spiritual leaders to his church. It was for a purpose. It was to equip all his people for the work of the ministry. And there's a point even beyond that. This is what he did. He did it so that the body of Christ might be built up. That is the picture of how God wants his church to operate. He gave pastors and teachers, prophets and evangelists so that, so that they would do something equip all God's people so that all God's people would do the work of ministry. Why? So that the body of Christ might be built up. Last week, I mentioned to you that there is a model of ministry out there, and even in here, a model of ministry in some of our minds where we think that there's one guy, there's one person at a church that should do the preaching and the proclaiming and everyone else does the praying and the praising and does the paying as well. But that's how church works. 
where one guy is a sage on a stage saying a thing and everybody else comes and hears it. And then we all go back home during our week, having gotten the good work of God. We do our own thing and we come back for more next week. But we got to get away from that idea. That idea is an unbiblical model of ministry. And not only that, it's a sinful model of ministry because it's contrary to the design of God. Christ himself set up the church. It's not our church. That's the irony in this sermon series. It is his church. And when he set up his church, he said, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give myself, by myself, spiritual leaders. And they're going to do a thing. They're going to equip God's people for works, for works, works of ministry to build up the body of Christ. How many churches are operating that way? Is our church operating that way? There's a rule. Well, before we get to the rule, let me summarize the verses this way. Pastor's calling. What is my calling? It's to make disciple makers. And what Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 is saying is that people's calling is this, to make disciples. And this is what it looks like. This is what it means to grow together. Is that we only grow together when we embrace those callings, when we understand those callings, when we recognize our callings together and carry them out. That's when we can start to grow together, when we are operating according to the way God organized his church. Let me tell you about this rule. It doesn't come from the Bible. It actually comes from anthropology. There was an anthropologist from Oxford earlier this century. His name was Robin Dunbar, and he came up with a rule or a principle that has been tested over and over again and found working. It's called the Dunbar rule. Has anybody ever heard of that? What the Dunbar rule states is that human beings have a ceiling or a certain capacity for the amount of meaningful relationships that they can have with other people. And he measured that. And what he found is, on average, that the maximum amount of human relationships that people can have is around 150. It doesn't matter how brilliant you are. It doesn't matter how emotionally and socially intelligent you are. It's about 150, maybe a little more, maybe a little bit less, but human beings have a certain capacity, a certain ceiling for human relationships. You can only have about 150. Let me compare it to another human physical thing, sprinting. You know Usain Bolt? I think he was or still is the fastest human being on earth. Do you know how fast he can run? He can run 28 miles per hour. That is like the height of what human beings are able to run. If I went out to you and I said, hey, I want you to actually go and try to run 50, or can you push it and maybe try to run 60 miles per hour? That would be insane. You you can't do that. Nobody can run that fast. Usain Bolt can't even run that fast. And so it is with our human capacity to have relationships. If we went out and we said, I want you to have 300, 500, 600 relationships in your life and make them meaningful, developing, growing, beautiful relationships, you couldn't get it. You couldn't do it. Something would drop off. We have a capacity. It's only 150, about. There's some big implications for how we do church here. Think about it. If there's only 150 meaningful relationships that any one single person can have. How and why do we set up a church in such a way where all the relationships are based on one, one person discipling, caring for, helping grow another person? It it doesn't work that way. 
I mean, did you know that the, the average number of people in a church, 90% of churches in the world, you know what it is? It's 150. It's right around 150. Similarly, did you know that the profession of pastor has one of the highest burnout rates and dropout rates of any other professional uh, profession? It's in under four years that most pastors drop out of the ministry. It's because we're not operating the way God set up his church to be. It's because most churches don't operate in this way, where they think through the way God designed his church, our church to be, the way it grows together. The way it grows together by each person embracing their calling. And then when we do, something very beautiful happens. Ephesians 4 goes on saying, Christ himself gave spiritual leaders to equip his people for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. What does it mean to grow together? We grow together only when we mature together throughout our lives. What this section of scripture is talking about is that we have a role, we have a calling in our life in ministry, and that is to grow together. That is to help the body grow. And how does it work? Well, it works that we work together at this maturation process until we reach the full measure of him who is the head, of him who is Christ. That's not happening till heaven. That's why he says until. And so his point is this. It's this continual maturation throughout our lives. I referenced this with First Peter. Becoming a Christian isn't just graduation. There you go. You've made it. You're it now. You're a follower of Christ. No. What he looks for us is to grow in our knowledge and our faith, to grow in the love that we have for him and we have for other people. Can I show you what this looks like here at our church? What we try to give this uh, uh, a connection to or a metaphor of is a family. A family and what happens in the life of a child. When a child is born, it becomes an infant. And in the same way, when you become a Christian, when, when someone becomes a Christian and goes from being spiritually dead, is carried over by the Holy Spirit, hearing the word of Christ, they become a spiritual infant, if you will, whether there's zero or three or 30 or 60 or 90. They're a spiritual infant. And that's really exciting. That's a really good thing. Why? Because everyone loves a newborn baby and everybody loves to watch newborn babies grow. It's fun. It's full of potential. It's full of excitement. But how do they grow? They grow by consuming good food. They grow by consuming like milk from their mothers. That's how babies grow. Now, let me ask you this. Where do those babies, those physical babies, get their food? I have a seven-month-old, and he cries when he's hungry. Do we say, hey, young man, you've been around here for seven months. Just go help yourself. It's in the fridge. 
No, we don't do that. If we did that, that wouldn't be good for his well-being. If we expected that baby to go and get the milk out of the refrigerator by themselves, it wouldn't go well for them. No, instead, what, what happens when there is a physical baby? There's parents. There's caring people in the lives of the child who selflessly go out of their way to bring food, to bring good things to that child, to bring protection, to bring guidance so that the child grows and in every way blossoms and develops and sees its full potential. So it is spiritually. When someone becomes a spiritual infant, they need somebody to bring them good things to eat. They need them to bring good food to eat. What is that good food? It's the gospel. That's why we share good news. That's why we do it. That's how we do it. That's how people grow. We bring the good news, the message of the gospel to people, and we help them grow in their faith. We help them grow in the knowledge of their Lord and Savior. People do that. Pastors do it, yes, but, but people do it too. Spiritual parents. And what happens is, is something really beautiful. When you do that, you see a spiritual infant grow, and then they become a spiritual young person. And then they grow and grow, and they take on more responsibility. They take on more initiative of themselves. And then something else happens. They become a spiritual parent. There's this cycle where, to a point, they don't rely on their parents the same way as they used to, in the same way that grown people don't rely on their physical parents the same way that they used to, but instead they are able to help, care, nourish, protect, give love and guidance towards somebody else. That's what happens when we mature together. That's what happens when we grow together. A good thing happens. We avoid a bad thing. It's pretty, it's pretty dark, the picture that Paul gives us in Ephesians that if we don't grow, we'll be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves and we'll blow here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. We'll endure a lot of bad things in life. We'll be tossed back and forth. We'll, we'll be lied to and we'll be deceived if we're not growing together, if we're not maturing together. But instead, if we do, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. And that's an important point. Up until this point, we've been talking about getting together, aligning our relationships in our life in a way that's intentional and meaningful to grow. But you might be thinking, I can do that with my friends. I can do that with people that are already in my life. I don't need our church for that. Well, there's something that, that can't happen when you get together with your friends around coffee or Netflix or a movie, and that's growing up in him. We grow together only when we unite together around Christ in his word and sacraments. That's what you have at this church. That's what you have at a Christian church that you can't find anywhere else. Verse 16 says this. It makes this point. The body grows. The body grows and it does it by itself, but it adds one very important caveat. It's from him. It's only from Christ. It's only from him who is the head of the church. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's only when we gather together around the good news that Jesus loves you, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper where he promises us forgiveness, where he promises us strength and faith that we grow and we grow together. Verse 16, Paul's, Paul's last verse on this, on this part about our callings, uh, it ends with two really obvious points. So I'd like to end our sermon by, by pointing out 
the obvious because Paul did it. Paul ends his sermon by saying this. He says, from him, that is Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If we are to grow together, and I think that all of you want to grow, that's why you're here this morning, we only grow together when we work together for eternal lives. It, it seems maybe too obvious to state, but, but it's hard work growing together. It's hard work embracing the callings that you have in your life. It's hard work showing up and, and intentionally aligning yourself in relationships where you get to help one another mature and do that. That's, that's hard to do. It's hard work to, to make the most of every opportunity to gather together around God's word and his sacraments. But think about it. If, if it's just one person working to, to grow God's body, to grow the church, what will growth look like? Well, if it's just 10 or 12 or 15 people, well, what will that look like? Well, certainly there will be growth. But listen, listen, this is important. The degree to which each of us, each of us does the work, that is the degree to which Christ will grow the body. From him, we grow. We grow as we work and do what he has called us to do. To that degree, we will grow together more. There's one more very, very obvious thing this, this verse makes, and that's this. We grow together only when we are together. We have to be together to grow together. Verse 16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul makes this point a little clearer in 2 Corinthians 12. I got to talk about it with the kids this morning, but the body metaphor is a beautiful one. You can't go solo. You can't go off on your own and, and still be a part of the body as just a nose or just an ear or just a knee. You have to be together. He goes more than just surface level, than skin deep. He says, you are the body joined and held together by ligaments, the joints, you together, stuck to one another. That's when growing happens. That's how we grow, when we grow together, when we are together, gathered around his word, embracing the callings that, that Christ himself has given us. How many of you have heard of Shrek the Sheep? Shrek the Sheep uh, grew up in New Zealand in the early 2000s, and Shrek the Sheep was a strong-willed sheep. Every season that it uh, became shearing time, Shrek managed to avoid being sheared. In fact, he hid in caves and he did it for six consecutive years. Normally, when merino sheep are sheared, they get taken off about 10 pounds of wool. In that picture, Shrek has 60 pounds of wool on him. When the shepherds finally caught up to Shrek, well, they were able to do it because he couldn't walk. He was having trouble moving around and he was kind of crippled in the fact that he, he couldn't see very well either. In his wool, they found things like twigs and vegetation and things growing that shouldn't have been growing there. And it wasn't good. 
They finally brought him in and they were able to shear off the 60 pounds of wool that he had on him. And he went on to live a healthy and very famous for a sheep life in New Zealand. But it was only because he was with his flock and he was with his shepherd. You know, the Bible, it it often compares us to sheep. It compares people to sheep. And I think for good reason, we like to go out on our own. We like to believe that we think we can go and we can grow all by ourselves. And and the truth is you can. You can grow all on your own. But it'd be weird. (laughs) Just ask Shrek about it. You're going to grow and grow in in ways that aren't going to be productive. You're going to grow in ways where, well, there might be some vegetation and things growing that that shouldn't be there. You're going to grow in ways that aren't beneficial to other people and Well, they might cripple you too, not physically, of course, but you might grow in ways where you don't move through life in a way that is healthy, spiritually, emotionally. You might grow in such a way where you're crippled and and you can't see life. You can't see life the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) But that's why God has put you in a flock. That's why God has given you a shepherd. (laughs) He's put you here because He wants you to grow. He wants you to grow together in a way that is good, in a way that is productive, in a way that is a blessing towards you spiritually. Just ask Shrek the sheep about it. It's better when you're together. The devil's lying. He's lying to you. He wants you to think that you can grow alone, that you can do this by yourself, that if you don't like something, you can just run and go hide in a cave and, and be fine there by yourself. But it's not true. It's not how God has designed you to work. It's not how God has designed his church to work. He's designed it to work where we grow together with a shepherd and with a flock. Jesus makes an invitation. The good shepherd does. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know what kind of baggage you're carrying around with you. I don't know what kind of guilt you're dragging with you, what kind of things are sticking in your wool, so to speak, that shouldn't be there. Maybe it's, maybe it's shame for something you did. Maybe it's a struggle, a difficult time you're having within life. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's illness. Maybe it's a trial with a relationship that you're having in life. But Christ says, come to me. Come to you all who are wearied and burdened with things that shouldn't be there, and I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you rest. That's your good shepherd's invitation. Look, last week I, I kind of offered an apology. Um, we're in a sermon series called Our Church, and I fully recognize that there's perhaps people here that think this isn't my church. And so kinda, I kind of, I said sorry. I offered an apology that was kind of a, a halfway apology. I said, I'm sorry for you having to suffer through a sermon that's about our church, and I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but not sorry, because now you know our heart. (laughs) You know what our heart is, and you know what we're all about. (laughs) We're about sharing some really good news. We're about sharing good news that that Jesus loves you, and that Jesus has a place for you in heaven. This week, I'm not going to offer an apology or a confession either. (laughs) I'm just going to offer an invitation, an invitation that's just in line with our good shepherds. What he says is, I want you here. (laughs) I want you to be here And let me be real with you. I need you here. (laughs) 
I need you to be here because it's only when we're here together that we can grow together. I need you as much as you need me. And they maybe won't admit it to you, but the people sitting next to you, they need you too, just as much as you need them. We need each other. We need each other to, to be together in our lives so that we can mutually encourage one another and, and mature and grow in the faith that God has given us. We need each other to get together and unite with one another around not just anything, not just coffee, not just Netflix, but the words of Christ, the eternal words of God that, that give eternal blessings to our soul. We need that. You need that. And I need that. We need to be here together to grow together. Your callings, we all have them in life and they're from God. Their calling's not to just come here and worship and praise our God, although it certainly is that. It's more than that. It's to know the people here so that you can pray for them. It's to know the people here so that you can help them, encourage them, lift up the burdens in their lives and grow together. You have a calling, yes, even you, to study the scriptures so that yes, even you, can teach other people about how wonderful God's grace is. You have that calling. <laughs> you have a calling to know your brothers and sisters in Christ, to know them so well. It's cool when you go up to them and, and call them out <laughs> because they're not living right or living well. <laughs> you go up to them and you tell them that. But at the very same time, you wrap your arms around them and bring them into the embrace of their Lord and tell them about all the love and forgiveness that they have there. You're called for that. You're called to comfort those who mourn, to help those who have tears, to point those who have lost somebody in their life to the sure hope of the resurrection, that because Christ lives one day, we too who close our eyes in Christ, we will see him too. You're called to that. You're called to help the poor. You're called to give mercy to those who need compassion and mercy. You are called for all of that. You're called to grow together, to be together. Praise God for that calling. Amen. <laughs>